Good afternoon, evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to Range Anxiety, the podcast that puts 30 years of automotive experience into 30 minutes for your listening pleasure. Now, we've been growing. We've been growing at a really good rate. Um, Listeners, I, I put something on Facebook the other day, how East Coast is now as big as the West Coast in the U.S., uh, listeners coming in from everywhere, but you know, obviously the heartland for us is Australia, uh, primarily even probably South Australia, and you know we're numbering in the thousands now, which is a really really good thing. And again, the feedback has been great. You know, I had one guy uh, send me an email saying that he sits on his ride on lawnmower with a six pack of beer and rides around on a Sunday listening to this podcast and actually enjoying it. So. You know who you are, Daryl, I think, and uh, well done. Thank you very much. I enjoy the feedback. Now, this is going to be an interesting show. Um, It's not so much about tuning cars, more about the culture of cars and how it kind of all started out, how the scene really evolved in Australia. It goes back to a time in about 1999 when... Holden released this really cool thing. You know, it was the first time we'd we'd got rid of the the plastic, the Holden 308, and coming to Australia was this all aluminium Gen 3, 5.7 alloy block, alloy heads, manual, six-speed device, you know, the, the new Commodore. It was going to be an awesome thing. And it first came out in the WH Statesman, and uh, you could only get an auto long wheelbase. But I got in quickly with my pal, uh, Julian Newton from City Holden. Hi, Julian, if you're listening. And put in an order for a VXSS manual straight up. Now, some of you guys and girls will probably cry when you hear this. I traded in a perfectly good R32 GDR. No, I didn't trade it in. I sold it privately. And the proceeds from the GDR bought a VX Commodore. Brand new. Now, fast forward to 2020, and you could probably sell that same R32 GDR and buy about 40 VX Commodores. Anyway, doesn't matter. I was excited. I can see potential in these things. You know, they were pretty cool, and they had like a whopping 225 kilowatts. So I decided to get one, get busy with it, try and work out how to tune it. This was back in the time before there was, you know, um, HP tuners, EFL Live, or any of those really cool tuning co- uh, tools that are around now, we were just trying to like scrape chips off board or boards and, you know, guess things and solder them back on and send bits of code over to the US and say, could you please do this for me? And yeah, some of it worked, a lot of it didn't. But, you know, we had some pretty cool uh, LS1s back in the day. You know, you wouldn't dare put a camshaft in one because you didn't know how to tune it to, to make it run. Now it's like, yeah, that's sort of like shelling peas. Well, for those of us that know what it is we're actually doing. Um, now, there was a great little online community that formed back then. Um, there were things called internet forums. They were around long before Zuckerberg's Facebook, and they were brutal places to be. You know, on an internet forum, you had the guy that owned it, uh, that would try and sell advertising and make money out of it. And he would then appoint moderators that were obviously beaten husbands at home uh, that would cut and shut as they saw fit. So 
you know, now you can just go block, delete, hide, whatever on Facebook. And if you've been an asshole, it can be hidden from the world. Back in those days, back in the forum days, man, there was no hiding from anything. You are 100% uh, responsible for what you did. And, you know, it could either work for you or against you. Now, the big forum in Australia that I, I became a part of, it was uh, started by a guy that, uh, his name was Jason Fair, and he went under the handle of Sidewinder. It was uh, ls1.com.au. I mean, you couldn't get any more to the point than that. This thing was all about LS1s. And even for those of you that aren't into this technology, that don't really like LSs or whatever, please stay listening. Because there were some amazing things that happened back in those days, you know? And I kind of wrote some notes for this, this show because there's just so much that I've forgotten. But I kind of condensed it into what I thought would be half hour, but I think it's going to go over maybe even a couple of episodes and that's before I even start on the Ford stuff and there are some really really cool stories to tell off the xr6turbo.com.au forums are out at the same time or a little bit later um I made some friendships from ls1.com.au the Australian ls1 and Holden forums that, that have lasted to this day and you know we're talking about 2001 2002 to today you know, it's a long time. You know, some of, the, some of these friendships will span over 20 years and maybe last the rest of my life. And I met some great people. I met some fair dickheads too. Mainly good people with good culture and we had great fun. Let me run through some of the names. Now, I had to actually write these down. Um, I used to go under the handle of Street Tuna, spelt like the fish. Even though I always used dinos, I thought it was pretty cool to mock people that tuned on the street. There was Sonny Mad, whose uh, old name and shame later, great guy, uh, gone on to have a really successful business. There was Voodoo, Plan B, How Quick, Justice R8, Glenn from G&D, Matt from G&D. And these guys all had personalities and... There weren't many women involved, really, in that sort of thing back then. They actually probably had sensible things to do. Unlike us, we were just kind of liked being online after hours, being wankers, and we were all quite good at it. But there were some amazing things that happened back then. Like, for example, our very first meeting of the LS1 community was actually, we hired a dino. I was from South Australia. The majority of, of people were from Victoria or New South Wales. We hired... The Frankston in Victoria, home of COVID. We hired the Frankston TAFE Dino. And we had a inaugural LS1 Dino Day there. Now, most of the, the, the ls1.com.au guys rocked up, you know, in their cars with an exhaust and maybe a pot air filter or something cool like that. But we decided to take a brand new I think it was a VT. No, it was a v VX GDS 300. We molested this thing straight out of the box. Put a 224, 228 and 114 LSA camshaft in it. Tried to mess around with the computer and make it run right. We kind of got it to the point where it would install every 30 seconds. And we drove it from Adelaide to Melbourne to be there on a Saturday morning early. So we left at about oh, midnight. 
on the Friday night to rock up to Frank's and tape at about nine. And uh, we, um, excuse me, I've, I've got a bit of a cold. No, it's not the COVID. And we went through about mm, three tanks of fuel on the way there because we were we were obeying the speed limit, uh, the Zimbabwean speed limit, not ours at the time. I wasn't driving, so don't come looking for me. And we rocked up and I think, I'm pretty sure we actually won this thing back in the day with about 250 kilowatts of the 258 or something like that at the wheels. And people were going, wow, look at how much grunt this thing's making. Crazy, huh? Now it's like, if you can't do that with a stock one, with maybe the rear mufflers removed, throw it all in the bin. So to put this on a timeline, the real reason I remember the Frankston TAFE Dino Day, because that was a, a sort of an important day in Australian history. That was the day that Jason Moran bought the farm. Uh, you'd remember him from the Underbelly series, and unfortunately he... he uh, <laughs> ended up being not too well at an Auskick clinic that same day. So, yeah, it was an odd day and an odd time. and um, But we were all part of it. We had something good out of that day. So we kind of all used to keep in touch and we all used to keep getting together online and sharing ideas, arguing with each other, calling each other dickheads. I was kind of, because I was a, a, a tuner, um, not the kind that John West reject, but the time the, 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 the type that would tune your car, I kind of got a little bit more respect as people would ask questions and, you know, how do I make my car idle? And I probably wouldn't know, but I'd say, oh, I'll just do this, you know? And it was all pretty cool, but there was a lot of bickering amongst the, the lads on that. But it was kind of all in good spirits. Like no one wanted to kill anybody. It was just like, oh, you're a dickhead, and uh, next time I see you at a dino, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, no, uh, you know, that was the good thing about those days. They were quite innocent. There wasn't a lot of the antagonism that occurs now, and that's what makes them special and probably never to be repeated because, let's face it, with social media, uh, the reach that it has, the paid reach that it has, and the ability to just chop people change people and even if you're a full ass hat you can make yourself look good on social media and you can even steal other people's identity to do it i mean i mean you know platforms like facebook and twitter they they do their best to stop that sort of thing but with these forums and with a smallish number of members everyone was known to everyone and that's what made them very powerful and allowed me in particular and my cohorts to build reasonably successful businesses out of it. At the time, I was partnered up with a guy called Doughboy. And uh, I know if Rob Herod, if you're listening, you'll be loving this. Doughboy was actually a baker. And he loved his Commodores though. And he, you know, he, he worked them, thrashed them. Uh, and I did some tuning for him. And, you know, we did some cool stuff. Like he had a big bakery on, uh, you know, like a big two-story thing. And I remember one night we were riding like a 50cc scooter through there sideways in the flower that was on the ground, trying to get, you know, not too much two-stroke in the vanilla slices that were being made at the same time. You know, maybe uh, the oily ones were quite special tasting and maybe that's why he did so well in the years to come. However, let me digress. We got that kind of um, old pally and knowing each other and, and successful that 
I came up with a really cool idea um, because our local raceway, our drag strip, was on its last legs and shutting and, you know, just looking pretty average. The, the place to go was sort of like an outlaw track run by Russell. It's a Heathcote uh, outside of Bendigo in Victoria. When I say an outlaw track, he wasn't uh, beholden to any of the real bodies that ran drag racing with their politics and their bullshit in Australia. Russell just ran it the way he saw it. He ran a good setup. So I picked up the phone one day and said, hey, Russell, I don't really know you, but I kind of do. And I think I'm going to get to know you. I want to run an event at your raceway. And we're going to call it the LS1 Drag Nationals. So it was being northern Victoria, it was it was really nice that it was between Sydney, Adelaide, quite a long way from Brisbane, but who cares, they're Queenslanders, and of course, a long way from Perth. However, we booked a weekend there, and I had a, a mate of mine that knew a bit about drag racing. Again, he was from the forums. He's known as he was known as Plan B, but his real name's Peter Haylock. He knew a bit about drag racing. He helped come up with some classes. So we had, you know, LS1 True Street, LS1 Super Street, LS1 Pro. And they were all quite nicely buttoned up classes. And, you know, like in True Street or Street, I think it was, guys, please, listeners, correct me in my dtech at senet.com.au email if you need to. But I think one was street tires. No drag radial stuff. I mean street tires, like proper actual ADR legal Australian tyres and you know you had to have full weight and then the next one up is you could run drag radials or like a cross ply uh, Mickey Thompson ET Street similar and then pro was just all off the head thing you know off the head cars you know things that had like superchargers with six pounds of boost you know that were going to one day dip into the 11s you know, laugh now. Actually, some people that are listening to this shouldn't laugh too hard because I still know plenty of tuners out there that struggle to get an LS1 out of the 12s. So we kind of built this event called the LS1 Drag Nationals and we advertised it just on this little, little, it was getting big actually, ls1.com.au forum. And us. Uh, Sidey or Sidewinder, the, the owner, sort of let us do it for free because it was a good community thing and it would encourage other advertisers. So we had the LS1 Drag Nationals. We had our own sub forum. We put together the classes and uh, with Russell's help, we just decided to rock up one weekend and see what happened. Now, Unlike a, lot, unlike a lot of tracks these days, Russell uh, allowed us to use all of the pits and garages free of charge. Um, obviously, he took a good slice out of the entrance, uh, but the entries for the event, and you know there were plenty of nine dollar hot dogs on sale. But that was cool. I mean, there was good food. It was actually country cooked. It was home done, and Russell prepared the track nicely. And we thought there was going to be about 40, 50 people there. It turned out like. Uh, the very first one, which I think was 2004, there were like 150 entrants. And we like just rocked up there and thought, what the, you know? We kind of got an inkling a, a little ways out because we decided on the forum to all book accommodation at the same place in Bendigo so we could partay after hours. And so we got onto this little joint 
called the Crystal Inn in Bendigo. Really nice place. It was like a sort of like a country comfort or best western you know one of those nice places had a nice pool in the middle beautifully turned out joint and us sellers one boys kind of just rocked up and trashed it we didn't trash it trash it trash it like i'm not talking about the streets of la right now but we kind of partied on so the first day Oh, correct me if I'm wrong here. The first days of practice were the Friday and we would race Friday night and we would race Saturday and we would all hold our heads with our headaches and drive home on the Sunday. Well, so Friday would go, it was pretty cool. You'd rock up, you'd do a few test passes some people, like I know one guy that drove all the way from Queensland, blew up instantly, first run on the Friday evening and was booked the whole weekend. So what did he do? He stayed the whole weekend and drank. And the other 200 people staying at the Crystal Inn decided that it was a good idea to be community-minded and they would join in and they would drink with him as well. So Friday night turned into a bit of a party and Saturday mornings at the track were a little bit slow. I mean, there were the guys that, that, that would behave themselves on the Friday night and they'd get there on Saturday and, you know, they'd be there bright and early and they'd be data logging their stock holding, trying to get from 13.41 down to 13.40 and good on them. Uh, the rest of us were making barricades outside of people's rooms with tables and chairs. Unfortunately, a microwave oven ended up in the swimming pool, I believe, after one of Plan B's friends might have set something on fire accidentally inside it. It was kind of like rock stars without the money or the good looks or anything to be starring about. But they were bloody good days. So we kind of got racing on the Saturday of the first Drag Nationals. And again, he keeps getting mentions. His plan B decided the cool thing at the time to do was to take the airflow meter off your Commodore and throw it in the bin and run it mathless. Now, you might have heard of mathless tunes now, like everyone that knows anything about Commodores does, but we all developed this back in about 2003, early 2004. And this Haylock dude discovered that to make an inlet out of a paint roller tray and stick over the top of the radiator was a way to get air into these things. Now, he had a good mate who is still probably the guru of LS1s in Australia, I believe, and that's Sam Baghdadi from Sam's Performance. You know, hats off to this guy. I have a super amount of respect for that family's ability. They are incredible people and, and know exactly what they're doing. I mean, they worked out a way to make this stupid paint roller thing with a cut down radiator work and hence the first OTR was born. Like you can find them on eBay now and XYZ and ABC company make them and they're cool and they're killer and everything else. But it was a dude who's actually a plumber with a paint tray and his mates. One of them was, uh, uh, oh, it's hard to explain what he did, but he used to buy like uh, six million bottles of Coca-Cola and sell it to all of the stores. Justice R8, you know who I'm talking about here. Um, these guys invented this shit and, and actually pioneered it 
at the LS1 Drag Nationals. And those that weren't blown away instantly were blown away later. And I think the quote um, from that first event was, you know, it was probably fueled by a fair few drinks. And it was from someone who shall remain nameless, but I still use this quote from time to time myself. And it's like, kids, don't be a hopeless eternal. No, actually, I got that wrong. And I might have even pioneered this saying. Kids, there are hopeless eternals. Don't be one yourself. Don't be a dreamer. Do whatever you can do and get on with it. So anyway, luckily enough, nursing a tiny bit of a hangover, I actually managed to win the first LS1 Super Street um, bracket. So the very first LS1 Drag Nationals, I took home a MAF as a trophy. It wasn't a setup. And the only reason I did it, it was a dial, it was bracket racing, it wasn't heads up. The only reason I did it is, and I'll never be able to repeat this in my life, but I cut three in a row 0.40x. So I think it's a 0.400, a 0.401 and a 0.400 light on a 12.8 dial. So I just ran 12.8, 12.8, 12.8 in a VY tunner that, just had nothing but a set of gears and a set of tires and uh, tune and some HSV headers and just general crap like that. It made about 240 kilowatts at the wheels. It was lucky through the auto and yeah, just cut light after light. So I ended up winning that. Um, there were some guys that went fast there. I think, I think one of the first 10 second passes in Australia in an LS1 was done at that LS1 Drag Nationals. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been done just previously at Calder by a guy called Fonzie Mullen. Now, anyone that's ever heard of GM Motorsport in Australia would know who he is with some brilliant parts and some brilliant technology and not a bad guy. He thinks he's pretty cool, but actually he is. Um, and I reckon they ran a 10-9 in a weight the uh, U ute that was manual, um, you know, it was full weight. So they were sitting on a milk crate, steering it with chopsticks and, you know, all of the things that, you know, it was kind of like, and no slur against Fonzie, because I used to do it. We all used to do it. Everyone did it. It was like a liar's convention. Ah, this is stock. Yeah, all the parts were in stock. You know, nothing was stock. And we kind of used to like, you talk yourself up to talk yourself down. So it's like, yeah, I just ran out, went out and ran like a 12.6 at a, you know, 114. And people go, wow, what have you done to your car? I'm like, oh, nothing. Uh, exhaust, just a HSB one out the bin and maybe a bit of a tune. You know, I just super talented driver. You know, really what we should have been doing is said, we've done this, 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 this. We're mixing, you know, toluene in with our fuel and, and it probably would have got us more business. But no, no. A lot of this was ego racing and it was, you know, it was pretty cool stuff and it was an awful lot of fun. Now, the LS1 Drag Nationals just didn't end there in 2004. I reckon they went through till about 2007 and there are so many more characters I need to introduce to you. So the important thing is when you listen to this podcast is if you want to hear about that caper and not about actually punching numbers into ECUs. If you want to hear about 
the LS1 drag nationals and the kind of stuff that went on, then you've got to tell me. So otherwise I'm going to steer away and we're you know, talking about crack and air fuel ratios and how much timing something can take. And we didn't even bother measuring that stuff back then. We used to like work out how much timing it could take by the, by the trap speed at the end of the track. And, you know, nursing a hangover, that was, that was never an easy thing to do. But next episode, you see, I didn't even cover off half of this Tuna Wars thing then. And we're up to 25 minutes. So next episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to step you through um, the Generation 2 players in the LS1 game and where it really got exciting where some dickhead came along and put a single turbo on the LS1 in a Commodore and called it a Gen T kit. Geez, I wonder who that was. It might have been me. So, look, sit back, strap yourself in for next episode, because it's going to be really cool. There's a lot more new names that you're going to hear. There's Little Lord Fauntleroy. There's Nurse. There's... A whole heap of other people. There's Uncle Tone. And by goodness, if you're a Victorian, you would not, not know who Uncle Tone was. So make sure you tune in for Tuna Wars Part 2. Because it's actually going to get controversial. Oh, and did I say controversial? We're going to talk about one of the classic forum stitch-ups of all time that happened to me via someone that was linked to someone else that I didn't know. He actually came and spent the best part of $12,000 with me just to stitch me up online. And I'm going to run through who it was, what it was about, and how you can avoid that kind of thing without pressing the ban button. So thank you for listening. Make sure you listen to the next episode. I've had fun actually doing this, and I hope you've had fun listening. And thank you for listening to Range Anxiety.